This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're back again live on AM740 Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. We have a packed show today. We've got some some very interesting guests. It should be very interesting. At 9.15 or thereabouts, we've got Michael Del Cole, who's soon to be a very, very highly drafted NHL player, coming up the NHL draft this Thursday night in Philadelphia. Uh, we have uh, Michael and his father. Should be a very interesting uh, conversation. At the end of the hour, we have Mike Fuda, who is the director of player personnel for the LA Kings and also the uh, VIP of Hockey Operations. So we're really interested in talking to him about uh, the LA Kings and their success. And in the middle of the hour, we've got World Cup Soccer, noted soccer blogger Mark Kennedy. So we'll be talking some soccer. It's been a fantastic week of soccer. Um, A few other interesting uh, topics this week. Uh, The Jays, the World Cup, uh, once again the NHL Draft, and also the Hall of Fame, NHL Hall of Fame draft uh, inductions. It's always interesting and controversial. Naz, let's talk a little bit about the Jays. And uh, I know you've been critical lately of one Jay in particular. Uh, tell our listeners about that. Well, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to wonder about Jose Reyes, our shortstop, who's making uh, upwards of 19 to $21 million a year. And he came over with all this fanfare and uh, has not performed to his salary for sure. There's two Jays, him and uh, R.A. Dickey, that haven't performed to their salaries. But Reyes has, has seven errors already this year. I know he was injured last year. We'll give him a pass on that. But, you know, I, I don't understand uh, the money they spent for this guy. I really don't. Well, hopefully he can turn it around. There's no question he's, he's a quality player. Um, it's a long season. Jays are going through a little bit of, of doldrums right now. It hasn't been a great two weeks. They got swept in the Bronx. Uh, I don't know how you lose to the same team. Was it 16 or 17 games in a row in New York? That, that's a really a, odd statistic. Going back a couple of years, it's 16 in a row they've lost in, in Yankee Stadium. I mean, that streak's not in Toronto, but at Yankee Stadium, they've lost 16 in a row against the Yankees. And it basically, the Yankees have come back into the race because of the sweep this week. They're uh, only one, one and a half games behind the Jays right now. Well, the Jays had an interesting evening Friday evening. Um, wow. They got themselves uh, behind, the, uh, behind the proverbial eight ball pretty, pretty early in that game. And... Uh, Really came stormed back. How many? They came back from eight, nine runs back, and uh, 
and won that game. I thought that would give them a little bit, little bit of a boost through the weekend, but didn't do them any good last night. Yeah, they came back from eight runs, and they were they were down eight nothing and nine three, and they came back fourteen nine. And I didn't see that coming. I saw the first few innings, turned it off, and then I find out in the morning that the Jays uh, came back and won that game. So that happens very rarely. They did that back against Boston years ago. I think Ernie Witt hit a grand slam. Long time ago. And it turned the season around back then. I can see the I can see the Jays still winning the division, but uh, they've got to improve in certain aspects of their game. Anyways, once again, uh, we'd like to remind our our listeners that we have the Pizzaville trivia contest. Um, Naz, I'll I'll turn that over to you. You can explain to our listeners what they have to do to claim their fifty dollar Pizzaville gift coupon. The third caller at four one six seven four zero zero seven four zero. Name the winning goal. Who scored the winning goal for Argentina yesterday against Iran? What a game that was. Okay. Iran could have won that game. It was uh, up and down. Well, I, well, some magic from Messi, and we'll talk about that during our, our World Cup discussion uh, uh, when, when the time comes. Anyways, the, the numbers once again, 416-360-0740, one Seven four zero four seven four zero. Call in real quickly. I got a feeling that one's going to go pretty quickly. Third correct answer. Who scored the winning goal for Argentina against Iran? Um, going back to the Jays, uh, this is an interesting time of a of a baseball season. Um, we've gotten over the the April May. We're into sort of the summer. Things are settling down a bit, and it's sort of like a run to the All Star break. And uh, it's always critical that, that teams go into the all-star break on a positive. And there's a couple of weeks left for that. And the Jays are, they've had, uh, you know, last couple of weeks have been sort of sideways. And uh, what do they have to do to turn it around a bit? I think they have to hit. They, have to, they haven't hit well in the past three weeks. Uh, having said that, Friday they, they hit a storm coming back. But they really haven't hit well. Their pitching hasn't been that awful, really. There's been some spot, spot starts that have been poor. But the pitching hasn't been that bad. You raise an interesting point on the pitching, which you might find uh, surprising. The Jays actually have statistically the best pitching uh, stats in the, if I'm not mistaken, in the American League right now, which I, I found when I saw that stat, I found it a bit, a bit surprising, because the pitching gets criticized here all the time. But it, in in the in the in the scheme of where they rank in the American League, they're 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 pitching technically is actually near the top. Yeah, it, 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 I'm not surprised because other than the last two games, they haven't pitched well, but they haven't hit well in the last three weeks, and that's that's the important thing because they were winning games nine five. Nine six, they weren't scoring very many runs in the past two to three weeks, and that's what's what's happened. I think they're four and nine in the past thirteen games, but they'll snap out of it. I'm very confident that the Jays will win the American League East. Anyways, we've got a lot to talk about today. Coming up in a, in a few moments, we have Michael Del Cole, who's uh, uh, projected to be a very top uh, NHL draft choice this Thursday in Philadelphia, together with his father Gus. Uh, Love to always love to ask the father some questions, uh, but Michael's projected to be uh, top five, and I've seen him as high as 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 number three on some of the draft rankings. So really looking forward to talking to Michael and his father. We've got Mike Fuda at the end of the hour once again. Um, L.A. King uh, uh, 
scouting guru who's responsible for putting most of that team together and really want to talk to him. Um, we've got World Cup coming up. We're going to talk about that as well in the middle of the hour and uh, an interesting event happening this week. Um, the NHL sits down and decides who they're going to elect to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Always. Wow, there's some beauties out there. We could have a discussion for hours on yeah, this. On, on this one, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about it a little bit next Sunday, but uh, I've looked through the list, um, and the only one I see is a surefire, uh, absolute lock, Dominic Hasek. Agreed. I don't see how you keep him out. Definitely uh, one or two MVP awards, I don't remember, but a few Vezinas, an MVP, uh, one uh, the greatest goaltender of his generation, or if him and Patrick Waugh probably mm-hmm. won too. Uh, certainly he's going into the hall. No he didn't, question. He didn't have much of a style in that, but boy, did, could he stop the puck. He could stop the puck. And uh, there's no question he's going into the hall. There's be no controversy there. Um, there's a couple of guys, a couple of players that always come up in discussions and um, controversial. And the one I'd like to talk about um, Paul Henderson um, yep. doesn't look like he's ever going to get into the Hall of Fame. Should he be in the Hall of Fame, Hockey I, Hall of Fame? I have always said that Paul Henderson should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame because it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the NHL Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. I said this before. If Vladislav Tretiak is in the Hall of Fame, then Paul Henderson should be there too. Paul Henderson scored probably the most important goal in hockey history, especially for Canada, back in '72, and he should be he should be there. Uh, I I, uh, I understand both sides of this debate. Um, Trechak in the Hockey Hall of Fame um, is, I mean, Trechak and Henderson are inextricably intertwined because of what happened in Moscow in September of 1972. I mean, there's that famous picture, and I actually have Paul Henderson signed an original signature of his picture mm-hmm. where uh, the Toronto Star uh, pho- photographer, uh, where Cornoyer jumps into, uh, the, he jumps into Henderson's arms, and you have Trechak sitting behind them, uh, forlorn, lying on, on, on the ice. Trechak, I think, is a little bit of a different equation because he was considered one of the best goaltenders of all time. There's no question. Paul according Henderson, Paul according Henderson, to who, though? According to who uh, is Trechak one of the best goaltenders of all time? Anybody I think who ever saw Trechak play would, 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 would probably agree that he was, he was a superior goaltender. There's no question. Didn't play in the NHL. Uh, won a numerable amount of, um, amount of uh, world championships and Olympic gold medals. And my most memorable Vladislav Trechak memory is and we watched this game together. We as, did. We did New house. Year's Eve. That's New Year's correct. Eve, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. Three, the, three all times. Zoomers will remember this game: the infamous Montreal Canadian uh, uh, Red Army game, where it, you know Red uh, Trechak basically stood on his head, and and they tied that game. But uh, Paul Henderson, without a doubt, the most infamous goal in Canadian hockey history, certainly for our generation. Uh, everybody remembers where they were that day. Very, very quickly, Eric Lindros, the other controversial individual. Uh, I'm a believer he should be in the Hall of Fame, but you disagree with me, Naz. I'm not sure he should be in the Hall of Fame. He had 
some really good years, but overall, I'm not certain about that. And uh, it, it maybe it's in it's me it's me trying to get over the fact that Lindros I didn't like him as a player. Maybe that's it. But uh, I don't believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, say, having said that, Peter Forsberg is up too. Would you rather have Peter Forsberg or Eric Lindros on your team? And talk about another two. Uh, individuals that are inextricably intertwined because they were part of that infamous uh, Philadelphia, Quebec, Nordique, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but draft shenanigans back in 1990 when when Andros refused to report to Quebec and Quebec had to trade them and they got Forsberg in return. Uh, Forsberg and Lindros have had very, very similar careers, very, very similar stats, um, and also both injury-riddled careers. I, I would make the argument that both deserve to be in the hall uh, because during a period of about five to eight years, they were certainly uh, the top, top, top players in the game. My, here's my feeling on Lindros. He uh, refused to play for Quebec in the draft. He's one of the only players to refuse to go to the team he was drafted by. Forsberg went. We'll talk about that a little bit more. It's time to go to uh, break, uh, and we'll be back with Michael Del Cole and Gus Del Cole. Should be fascinating. Talk to you. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville became the official pizza of the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We're giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st, plus four front row tickets to the final match. We're the official pizza because Pizzaville pizza is like a hard serve. It's so good, you can't return it. Boom! Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com. 
at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7, striving to inspire you at every turn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. And welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're uh, very happy to have with us this morning Michael Del Cole and his father, Gus. Are, are you there, gentlemen? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Michael, first of all, happy 18th birthday. I understand you turned 18 on Friday, and uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you share the exact same birth date with Sam Bennett. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you very much. I know me and Sam uh, talked about that earlier this week in New York, actually. But, yeah, it's quite a coincidence for sure. Anyways, uh, we're getting a little bit of feedback with you. I think you might have your radio on a bit in the background. You might want to turn that off. Uh, we'll, we'll get a clear signal. Anyways, uh, Michael, you're going to be a uh, you're going to be a star this uh, Thursday in Philadelphia. But I want to talk to somebody. I think is, I want to talk to somebody. I think is a little bit more important right now, which is your father. <laughs> so, uh, Gus, I want to talk to you a little bit about Michael. Obviously, this is going to be a special day for the Dal Cole family. And uh, just want to know uh, when did Michael start out in hockey? How old was he? Uh, Michael started playing hockey when he was uh, turning five, um, and he uh, through some soccer, because I coach soccer, he played soccer, someone uh, allowed him in uh, a year earlier, and uh, um, so he actually uh, continued to play with the, uh, the 95 age group for uh, seven years. Okay, and uh, Michael grew up in Woodbridge, Ontario, local boy. Uh, when did you first realize uh, you had something special on the ice? Well, I think I think we realized Wendy and I when we uh, we moved into our new house. Uh, you know, the basement was unfinished, and uh, he was three. And you know, we had a net down there and a stick. And I said, "Holy cow!" I said, "You know, it just seemed to uh, uh, come natural for him." Um, so we we knew at a young age he had he had a special talent, but we didn't know. Uh, or could tell if that talent was going to, you know, live itself right through to, to today in that because there's so many variables that come into play as a child grows and, 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 and develops and, and enters his teenage years and that. But certainly Michael's um, uh, <clears throat> been extremely focused from day one and extremely committed to, uh, to training and everything. And uh, he's a very coachable uh, player, and I think that's... Uh, helped him immensely. Gus, it's uh, Naz here. Uh, you must be very proud of your son because, uh, you know, Wally, both Wally and I have had uh, children go through the minor hockey system. My son played at the AAA level also, and I know the commitment it takes for a, for both the mother and father and everybody else in the family. And you should be, you, you must be a proud father today. Absolutely. Um, you know, all families go through that uh, commitment. I, I do recall some people, you know, would look at us and say, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're never, you're never home. You know, I said, well, you know, I would say to them, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a small window. Uh, enjoy the uh, the ride. Don't make it stressful. Um, and for us, and I think any family, any parent, if you if you if you see your kids enjoying it you're going to enjoy it too, right? And, and uh, if something comes out of it, that's just gravy, in my, my opinion. Like, we had, uh, we had the benefit of going through it first with my daughter. Daniela was, 
uh, a figure skater and then entered hockey when she was uh, age 10. And suddenly she was being asked uh, for scholarships and whatnot. She, she ended up getting a, a full scholarship at Niagara University, a D1 hockey school. Um, so we learned a lot through that process. And Michael, being uh, you know younger, um, helped us sort of go through that, navigate the waters, so to speak. Michael, uh, just a question for Michael. Um, you were drafted seventh in the midget draft by Oshawa. Is that correct? Yeah, minor midget. And who is your who is your coach uh, in Oshawa? He must have done a great job with you. Uh, DJ Smith. Uh, Michael, uh, I saw in a very interesting piece on NHL.com, and I highly encourage our listeners um, to go check it out. It's a, a really well done by Kevin Weeks about the Dal Cole family and, and the adversity that your family has uh, had to endure over the course of the last 10 years. In fact, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, I, I showed it to my wife yesterday, and she broke out in tears just watching it. it and I highly encourage our listeners, NHL.com, it's about the Dal Cole family. And uh, some of the adversity, and you describe your role model as your older brother, John Luca, and your hero is your mother, Wendy. Uh, your older brother, uh, John Luca's had to face some challenges. He's, uh, he's autistic. Tell us, tell us what, uh, how you've dealt with that and how that's made you a better person. Yeah, um, like I said before, my brother is obviously a huge role model for me, and you know, looking at him, he hasn't had uh, you know, the opportunities that I have in front of me. So uh, in my life and in my career, everything I do is in the back of my mind. It's for him because, you know, obviously I want to make him proud. And he's um, he's a person who definitely grounds you for sure. And I think you realize at a young age that there's uh, a lot more to life than just hockey. Um, it's really special for you to say that. And uh, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, your her your hero a little bit, uh, your mother, Wendy. Um, she suffered from breast cancer a few years back, and there was a part in that um, video where they interviewed her. And, um, and, she, and on, on your 10th birthday, I can't remember, it was a birthday party. She was, she was up in her room, and she was ill, and she was unable to come down and join you on your birthday. Um, Tell us a little bit about the influence your mother has had in, on, on your career and how she's made a difference in your life. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, she was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was, uh, you know, just 10 years old. And obviously, at that age, I didn't really realize, you know, how bad it was and, um, you know, the extent. Um, obviously, it was stage 4 breast cancer, so it was pretty bad. But I looked at um, on my older sibling, Daniela, and um, obviously she knew how bad it was and it was probably more rough on her so luckily I was, I was younger and didn't really realize but you know she um she battled through and obviously she is the strongest person that that i know and you know that situation for my birthday that was um it was pretty scary i think even at a young age i realized that you know something wasn't right but obviously she battled through and um she's another huge person for me in my life Michael, uh, we we've been told you can go as high as three as uh, three to five. That's what we were we we're talking. We have a couple of people that that are in the NHL ranks, and they're saying that it's three to five. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs have the eighth pick, and um, they trade up. Would you be like like to be drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, for sure. I think being uh, 
being a hometown kid, I think it would be awesome. Um, huge Leafs fan growing up. But at the end of the day, um, it doesn't really matter to me where I go. I'm going to be happy wherever I go. But I think going to the Leafs would be um, would be a bonus for me and my family. And uh, I'd, I'd definitely be very happy if I'm in the Leafs jersey come June 27th. Man, Michael, I give you a lot of credit. You've really learned how to, how to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> very very well done. I, I, I like that. But I will tell you, Naz and Wally, we're going to be putting in a call to Brendan Shanahan and Dave Nonis this week and uh, see if they can trade up. We'd love to see you in the blue and white. Anyways, the other, um, talking to your dad, um, he reminded me that uh, most of your minor hockey league career, you were a centerman. And um, when you got to Oshawa, they moved you out on the wing. Any prospect uh, at, in your discussions uh, with any of the NHL teams that you may be you may project as a centerman as an NHL player rather than a winger? Uh, I'm comfortable in all three, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter to me where I play. Um, that's that that's, I think is just a bonus for me. Personally, I'm comfortable um, on my off wing, my strong side, uh, and down the middle. But I think primarily for me right now, playing uh, you know wing in my first two seasons in junior, I think teams probably view me. More as a winger now, definitely. But um, like I said before, I'm comfortable in all three, and I think that's a that's a testament to DJ Smith. Actually, like you said before, um, coming in at 16, you know, obviously we, we were deep down the middle in, in Oshawa, and he said, you know, obviously we're missing a first line left wing spot, and it, it's yours if you can take it. And obviously, I had a lot of responsibility as 16 as a 16 year old, and uh, you know, I thank him a lot for that. Um... Gus, I want to take the question back to you. Um, there's always criticisms and discussions about parents in minor hockey and some parents being delusional about their kids and their NHL uh, hopes and dreams and whatever, and there's nothing wrong with having, having hopes and dreams. Uh, at what stage did you and Wendy realize that you know, Michael's got a shot to make the NHL? When did, when did that first hit you? I don't think it really has hit us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hitting us now, Walter, because, uh, you know, the draft is approaching. And I think, you know, the minute we drive into Philadelphia and into the hotel, um, I think I think it's really going to hit us. It's hitting, it's hitting us right about now. Um, I say to Michael, you know, June 27th, there's a team out there that's going to open a door for you. That's all they're going to do is open a door. That doesn't mean you're going to make it. You have to still, you know... Um, develop, work hard, all those things. Um, and they're going to give you every opportunity because, uh, you know, they've invested a lot of time in, in selecting you. Um, obviously, they think highly of you, but, you know, um, it's still a very, very competitive environment. You're going to go to a main camp, and there's going to be a lot of guys that are uh, going to want to take your position. So you got to be ready, focused all the time. Um, that's that's all I can say to Mike, you know. Uh, the journey's been wonderful so far, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful and I'm confident that he's going to play in the NHL. Yeah, I'm confident, too. I've seen uh, highlight reels of this kid, your kid, and he's a tremendous player. He's going to be a top six forward in any, anywhere. Um, go ahead. Sorry, Ness. Um The draft is going to be on Thursday night, right? When, when, when are you guys heading down there? It's actually Friday night. We're heading down Thursday morning, uh, oh, bright and early here. We've got about 30 uh, people coming down uh, wow. at different times and that. But, uh, it, it, you know, we wanted to make it a, a, an event for us. Michael's leaving uh, a few days earlier. He has some uh, 
some media things to do with the NHL. They're going to go catch a, a baseball game. Uh, he also has some other interviews with some NHL teams that want to sort of kick the tire for the for one last time. Um, so we'll be meeting him down there. He'll be uh, he'll be traveling down, flying down with his agency uh, on Wednesday morning, and we'll be leaving Thursday. And the draft will be held uh, Friday night. That's fantastic. Anyways, uh, we normally go to commercial break right now, but our, our producer Kelvin has given me a couple extra minutes because I've got a couple more things I want to get in. Um, sure. There was a, and, and I want our listeners to understand what kind of a young man we're dealing with. There was a quote, Michael, you were quoted as saying, everyone who plays hockey these days doesn't realize how good they have it. In the back of my mind, I realize I have it pretty easy than some other people. I, I just think that's an incredibly wise for an 18-year-old young man to say, and I compliment you on that, and I hope you never feel any differently. Um, a, a very mature thing to say, and and uh, thank you for saying it, and I wish a lot of other hockey players felt the same way who are way more advanced in the NHL than you are at this point. And anyways, uh, we've got a few seconds left. Uh, I, I do want to uh, say on behalf of the um, uh, Naz and Wally show, thank you for coming on. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. I know that this is going to be an incredibly special day for the Del Cole family, and it's going to be very emotional, and I'm sure. And at some point Friday night between 7 and 8 o'clock, uh, Gary Bettman's going to call the name Michael Del Cole. And uh, our thoughts from the Naz and Wally show will be with you, and we wish you all the best in your uh, in your NHL career, which we think is going to be a fabulous one. And uh, we hope you come back and talk to us real soon. All Good. the best, guys. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. Our Thanks. pleasure. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thanks. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville sponsored the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We're giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st. Plus, one lucky winner will be courtside for the final match with four front row tickets. My half-brother Rayul won't go. He's been to court too many times already. Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint. 4190 Steeles Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. 
and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7, striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live uh, this morning from uh, Zoomer AM740 Radio. Uh, it's World Cup, and it's the world's most compelling uh, sports spectacle, and it's been a fascinating week. Some incredible soccer. Um, and we have on the line with us today from L.A., Mark Kennedy, who's a, a noted uh, soccer blogger. You can find him at mistakebythelake.blogspot.com. Well-known uh, blogger on Toronto FC and uh, loves World Cup soccer. Mark, are you with us? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me on. You've been watching the World Cup? Uh, n- doing nothing but. <laughs> um, <laughs> all day, every day. Uh, there was a, a fascinating game um, yesterday afternoon, um, Ghana and Germany. I, I, for some reason, I was going to say West Germany. It just shows you how old I am. <laughs> that, <laughs> it, was, it was Ghana and Very Germany. Yeah, it was Ghana and Germany. Uh, got off, the game got off to a slow start, but that second half of soccer in that game was as good as I've ever seen soccer played. I've never seen soccer go from one end to the other and back to the other and back to the other. Um, what are your impressions of that game? Well, I think I think it was a very exciting game. Um, traditionally, though, um, Germany has a reputation of doing well in their first game and not so well in, in their second game. A bit of complacency might come in, and uh, Ghana sh- uh, sure looked like they were take, going to take advantage of that, and, and uh, they, they just had wave after wave of attack. Um, but to, to be honest with you, um, attacking soccer seems to be the theme in this year's World Cup. Even the game before that one, the Argentina-Iran game, even though there was no score throughout most of the game, it was it was attacking soccer for 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 both sides. We're we're seeing attacks all day, every day. Uh, you raise a very very uh, good point. I've uh, been a fan of World Cup soccer probably since uh, I can remember. Certainly since nineteen sixty six was probably when I first uh, watched the World Cup, and I've watched everyone since then. And especially in the first round, I've never I've never seen as good a soccer soccer on the field uh, as I've seen in this World Cup so far. Teams are playing attacking soccer as opposed to you know twenty twenty uh, you know twenty thirty years ago they'd hang back they'd play tactical they'd play for draws 
they play to get through the first round. These these teams are playing to win. The the soccer term is um, park the bus, yeah. um, and uh, I think the Italians might have invented it. <laughs> and sometimes they're even accused of parking two buses, in which you um, you you challenge the other team to try and get through, uh, you know, a forest of defenders. And um, it, it makes for uh, a very, very uh, tedious game. Uh, I'm not saying that parking the bus has been banned, but it certainly has disappeared in this World Cup. Everyone is thinking that the best defense is to be at the other end, putting the ball in the other team's net, and it's, it's been exciting to watch. Mark, are we finding the soccer nations uh, getting closer and closer to each other in uh, talent-wise, and uh, this is why this is happening? Well, that, I think that's been the theme that um, FIFA has had for for many a year, in which they've um, they've changed uh, changed the rules as to who gets into the World Cup. They sort of tweaked it a few times, and they've been looking for sort of the rise of the African nations and the Asian nations. And um, clearly, in this World Cup, with with teams like Costa Rica, um, I mentioned Iran. Um, there are teams that are outside of the the usual group of world powers that are 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 knocking on the door, and uh, it's it's fascinating to see. It it makes every game. Uh, um, there's no more foregone conclusions. You, you're 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 waiting to see who's going to surprise you next. Which um, I think when they when they expanded the World Cup to 32 teams, the the worry amongst the uh, you know, uh, but the true blue followers was, oh, you're going to let some pretty obscure teams in and there's going to be, you know, six nil games here and there. But uh, that has disappeared. I think you're right. The gap between the top and and the next 20 or 30 nations has has shrunk to uh, a very entertaining uh, uh, challenge there. Is this the year an outsider wins the World Cup? That... <laughs> That's that. That's a possibility. Um, but once you get to the knockout stage, um, suddenly there there are there are teams who um, take this first round in stride. Um, the Germans and the Italians, um, and I think the Brazilians and the Argentinians have learned the lesson, which is you don't play your best game first. You save your your best game for for when it really counts. So there's always the possibility that um, these surprises might not be surprising when we get to the knockout round. But um, um, it's a possibility. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't want to rule it out. I mean, you know, Costa Rica, <laughs> that would be amazing. Costa Rica, World Cup champions. Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> uh, in any event, I do want to talk a little bit about Costa Rica because, uh, as you're well aware, Mark, being a, a Toronto uh, Toronto guy, um, uh, the the Azzurri have a certain uh, certain clientele in the uh, Greater Toronto area, and there was certainly uh, a few tears shed uh, the other day when the the, uh, the Forza Azzurri lost to the Costa Ricans. Um, it seems to be not a great Italian team, but the Italian teams that win the World Cup don't necessarily do very well in in, in the first round. Uh, that's that's true. I, I I think they've got some fantastic uh, players. Um, 
Uh, Pirlo, their midfielder, is 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 their wizard, so to speak. And um, it's possible, for, you know, the, the Italians have had um, mediocre games in in the first round, and then suddenly can be the team to beat in the knockout stages. They always seem to uh, do this every World Cup or every Euro Cup. They they look not so good at the beginning, and then they come on. But uh, they better watch themselves uh, this Tuesday for sure. Uh, Argentina, who I picked to win this tournament when it started, they haven't really impressed all that much the way they thought the way I thought they would. And given the fact that they're a South American team, um, I, I, my my opinion is that some South American team is going to come through this thing and win this thing and could be Argentina, could be Brazil. Chile looks, looks very good, but Argentina, they, they, they haven't really clicked yet. I, are they this year's version of the Italians that they don't, they don't impress anybody in the first round, uh, the first go. And then when they get into the 16s and the eights and the, and the semis, you see a totally different team. You, you have to remember that modern soccer um, takes up so much of, of the athlete's time that, um, that Argentinian players are really an all-star team who have just finished playing wherever they play in Europe, plus Champions League, and they would be an all-star team that has come together in the last three weeks, and um, Superstar players don't always gel with other superstar players overnight. And um, Argentina might lack someone uh, such as the Italian Pirlo, someone who can bring out the best in other players. Um, they're, 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 they're looking um, individually talented, but not, uh, not quite a, a team yet. But with that much talent, that could that could suddenly happen overnight. Mark, Portugal plays the U.S. tonight. Yes. What would it mean for the United States to win the World Cup of Soccer for North America? I think, I think it's it's, I think it's on the verge of being um, a, a much bigger sport um, in in North America, and certainly the Americans winning. I think it would it, it would accelerate the growth of the sport. I think at the same time it would break Canadian hearts because we're <laughs> it's like a party we're never invited to, and to see um, to see the Yanks, um, you know, become the number one team would be, I think, a little bit infuriating. Uh, you know, it, it, you say it's a party Canada uh, going be hasn't been invited to it. It may be a long time till Canada gets invited to this party. I mean, looking at the quality of some of the CONCACAF teams now, you know, Mexico, United States, Costa Rica, uh, you know, these teams have shown they they can play with the best in the world and beat the best in the world. Uh, and, and and Canada, you know what? We're we're could be a long time where before we get to that level. And waiting in the wings would be teams like Jamaica and Trinidad, yeah. who have qualified in recent years for World Cups. You know, so that there always seems to be someone on the rise uh, willing to close the door on Canada. Yeah, Can- Concacaf's always been considered one of the one of the sad sacks, but that certainly in this World Cup hasn't been the case. And certainly they're playing some some incredible soccer on this side of the pond. Anyways, Mark Kennedy. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us and, and giving us your insight into soccer. Uh, we'd like to have you back. You're a big Toronto FC uh, 
Toronto FC guy on your blog, Mistake by the Lake, blogspot.com. We certainly love to have you back to talk about Toronto FC, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mark. Thank, thank you. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7, striving to inspire you at every turn. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Anyways, welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, we're in the last few minutes of the show. We were hoping to have on Mike Fuda, Vice President of Hockey Operations and Director of Player Personnel for the LA Kings. Unfortunately, we're having uh, problems, uh, technical problems getting a hold of him. Um, hopefully, we'll have him on in the next few minutes and we can overcome, uh, overcome those uh, connection problems. Anyways, uh, Mike Fuda um, has become uh, well-known in the... Uh, in the hockey industry, was touted as a GM candidate in Vancouver and also in Buffalo. A Toronto boy, formerly a general manager of the Owen Sound Attack in the OHL, and is considered one of the bright uh, bright minds in hockey these days as uh, being one of the gentlemen responsible for putting together the LA Kings, who uh, certainly, if you're if you're going to look at a team that seems to be built with the right pieces in mind 
and built as a team would be the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Stanley Cup winners last two uh, out of three years and um, probably favorites to do this uh, perhaps a couple more times in the next couple of years. L.A. Kings, Naz, uh, what's your impressions? Well, they could have won the Stanley Cup three years in a row. They lost to Chicago last year, so they could have a three. They could have had a three-peat in 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 there. And we go we go to the fact that uh, two things happened. They thank God they didn't sign uh, Ilya Kovalchuk or um, Brad Richards to get contracts. They were up for free agents, and they were pitching for them pretty strong. And as it turns out, it was probably a blessing that they didn't uh, sign those two guys. Uh, probably was a blessing, and they signed. Uh, they uh, traded for Marion uh, for Marion Gabrick, and that certainly worked out. Uh, they obviously saw something in Marion Gabrick, and uh, were able to extract uh, what they needed from him. And he was a critical component of their of their uh, Stanley Cup run. A um, couple of young guys as well that were um, um, absolutely incredible during the Stanley Cup run: Tyler Toffoli and Tanner Pearson. Together with Jeff uh, Carter, was probably could have been arguably their top line, and uh, Toffoli and Pearson were really a couple of guys completely off the radar screen. And uh, it come, comes back to the old um, uh, the old equation: How do you build a team? How do you build a successful team? You build it through the draft. You find these guys in the second rounds, late first rounders, second rounders, high third rounders. And you fit them into a system, and they can uh, they 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 get you a Stanley Cup. They 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 do um, you know obviously did what uh, Sutter uh, wanted them to do. Created confidence, uh, play a physical game, and uh, seemingly something that the Toronto Maple Leafs never never seem to find these types of guys or or can't fit these types of guys into their system. Now. Uh... The the guy that I was impressed with the most on the L.A. Kings during the Stanley Cup playoffs was Jeff Carter. And uh, he had a great Olympics. He was one of the best forwards on Team Canada. And I didn't wa- even want him to be picked for Team Canada. But uh, Jeff Carter played tremendous hockey in the Olympics. And he carried it through in the playoffs. And he was outstanding. Uh, I'll agree with you there, Naz. I've never been a Jeff Carter fan until... and. When we when we discussed uh, the uh, Olympic uh, selections, I didn't like the Jeff Carter pick, but um, he seemed to take his game to uh, a different level, and certainly I'm thoroughly impressed with him now. Wally, what did the Leafs do in the draft? Let's talk about that for a bit. Uh, they're drafting eighth. What should they be going after? Forward, a defenseman? Well, the, the, the standard, uh, you talk to any general manager, and he will tell you we go for the best player that's available. Um, I like the idea of the Leafs trading up to, to two or three and see if they can do it. Um, their biggest hole, uh, they, have a, they have quite a few holes, to be quite frank, but you know, a top-notch defenseman, power forward. Um, best defenseman in the draft, obviously, is Ekblad. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, the, the the guys on the inside say he's going, go, he's going number one. After that, um, I mean, I'd love to see Michael Del Cole in the blue and white. Uh, oh, we'd love that. Uh, if the Leafs could get up to get up to three, four, they they could probably they could probably get him. 
I have this gut feeling that Kadri uh, is going to be moved uh, either this week or next week. I just have this feeling that Kadri is the one player that's going to be moved, and hopefully they can use him as a piece to trade up. One thing bothered me during the season, and I've never mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it now. When the parents, the fathers, were the the Leafs have this thing where the fathers go and watch a game out in uh, on a road trip, and I guess they go on a road trip maybe three, four games. And here it is Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, and they're on on showing them in a box. They're playing the Montreal Canadiens. Every father on that team of the Leaf fathers wore Leaf jerseys. Kadri's father did not wear a jersey at all. And the reason, from what I understand, is, is that he's a big Montreal Canadian fan. And he would not wear the blue and white during that road trip. If you're going to do that, I don't think you should be part of this hockey club. Well... I have I have some very strong opinions about that as well, which I, I'm not going to repeat on the air. Um, um, and I, you know, I'm not going to blame the player um, because his his dad didn't wear a sweater. I mean, that, that's you know, the player. I, I I judge players based on what they do on the ice. That's all that counts to me. Uh, as long as they comport themselves in a in a you know in a in a respectable manner off the ice, what they what they do or what their families do, uh, you know, I could care less about. It's, it's, you know, the old proverbial maxim is it's a free country. You can do whatever you want. You want to wear a leaf sweater, you wear a leaf sweater. You want to wear a leaf sweater, don't wear a leaf sweater. It's, quite frankly, it's none of my business. Um, Kadri, I'll evaluate him by what he does on the ice. And, I've, and I'm, I wouldn't, you know, if they, if they had to lose him to trade up to get uh, a better draft choice, a better defenseman, uh, anything like that, um, it um, if it's in the best interest of the Toronto Maple Leafs, then that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. The the issue is that he calls his father after every game or before every game, and he tells he tells him what to do on the ice. Uh, I, it just bothers me that he doesn't wear a Leaf sweater, especially being a true blue Leaf fan like I am. I uh, I uh, take take it back to that. I just don't like that situation at all. Getting back to uh, Mike Fuda and the um, and and the LA Kings, and uh, unfortunately we weren't able to get a hold of Mike Fuda this morning. We'll uh, we'll try for another time. But uh, the one question I was going to ask him, which uh, a very interesting observation I had about the uh, the uh, LA Kings, and uh, you know I. I and I'd love to see what what Don Cherry thinks about this. Um, L.A. Kings had 12 players that played in the Ontario Hockey League. 12. Over half their lineup are graduates of the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, anything, any connection between that and, and, and a Stanley Cup championship? Oh, I think there's a big connection. I think the best players are in the OHL. I mean, there are good players in the Quebec League and the uh, Western League. You know, you got McKinnon and there's Reinhardt coming up and there's a few of, of the guys. But the best players seem to be playing in the Ontario Hockey League. And Don Cherry said that on Hockey Night in Canada, that the, the, the talent, most of the talent is in the OHL. Yeah, take, a look at, take a look at some of these names on the LA Kings from the OHL. Dustin Brown, Jeff Carter... Drew Doughty, uh, Tanner Pearson, 
Mike Richards, Tyler Toffoli, Justin Williams, Conn Smythe Trophy winner. I don't think uh, – I think there's a connection there somehow. Is it that they play a certain style in the OHL? That, that is, it, is it a physical game? Is, is L.A. drafting physical players, these guys that can, can, can bump it up against the boards? I think it's just the fact that the OHL is the best development league in the uh, out of all of them. And uh, I, I don't think – I think there's some years that probably the West or uh, the Quebec League may have some better players, but – Overall, the OHL in the past, I'd say, five to ten years, have, the better players have come out of there. And Cherry has mentioned it. Um, just to wrap up, we've got a few minutes left on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. And uh, want to talk about the NHL uh, uh, Hall of Fame inductions again. We've got a couple of minutes to sort of uh, get back to that discussion. Uh, Naz, Dave Andrichuk has been on the ballot for a few years. He's got almost 640 goals in his NHL career, uh, a Stanley Cup, and there's no talk of him going into the Hall of Fame. Why not? He wasn't much flash, but he did produce. And I think what's happened is his stats are really good, and his longevity in the league was fantastic. He played a long, long time. Now, does that does longevity help you in a, in a Hall of Fame situation if you have the numbers to back it? Um, I've always been... Um, uh, of the of the opinion that the Hall of Fame is not a reward for being able to survive in the league for 20 years and accumulate 20, 30 goals a year, whatever. The Hall of Fame should be for Hall of Fame. Players who played the game at an incredibly high level. It's not It's not a Hall of the very good. It's a Hall of Fame. And you must have been a player that played some all-star teams, an MVP, uh, considered one of the top 10 players in the game or top five players in the game for five to seven years. And that's why a guy like Forsberg, um, you look back at when he was at the height of his career, who would you not want to have had more on your team than Peter Forsberg for those five to seven to eight years when he played in his prime? Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see the nominees for tomorrow. Mary from Toronto won the Pizzaville $50 gift certificate, answering Lionel Messi, scoring the winning goal for Argentina against Iran. Mary, congratulations. Anyways, I want to announce that the uh, next Sunday we're going to have as our special guest, Leo Routens has agreed to come on the show. We're going to be talking about the NBA draft. It's going to be a fascinating draft this week as well. And uh, looks like there may be another Canadian. Number one draft choice. We'll talk about that next Sunday morning on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.